Bradshaw tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our guest segment. I'm really excited about this. We do a show like this once or twice a year. We invite our friends from International Living uh, to join us, you can check out their website. It is fascinating. It is, I'll tell you this, it is just fun to just look around their website and see all of the interesting places that you can live around the world for super cheap. And it doesn't, you know, when I, I tell people about this, they say, oh, yeah, you can live in a jungle for pennies on the dollar. No, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, nice places. It, it, not everywhere is for you. So there are places in Europe you can live, in Central America, in South America, even in Asia. And people are living very well, in many cases, with full access to uh, health care, beautiful housing, lots of fun things to do for like $1,200, $1,500 a month. And I saw this firsthand last year when I went to Ecuador and spent 10 days in Cuenca, Ecuador, and met many, many Americans that are living there, including one guy. He had a beautiful three-story house he was renting for $400 a month. I went to the uh, little breakfast restaurant that all the Americans go to. I went to a jazz club that all the Americans go to. And they were telling me all this wonderful news about the super inexpensive and high-quality health care the super low cost of living there and all of the great things um, that they found uh, to work for them. But this is worldwide. And the other neat thing is you could live in a place, maybe live in one of these locations for a year or two, and then you move to another one. And so people are sort of redefining retirement. It's not necessarily about moving to Florida or moving to Arizona. You might live internationally. And uh, joining us now, I believe from his, uh, home in Mexico, is one of the editors of International Living, Jason Holland. Welcome to the broadcast for the first time, sir. Good to have you with us. Hey, great to be here. Thank you so much for, for having me. I appreciate it. So I understand uh, that you are the Latin America editor. So what countries would that cover? Yeah, so... Um Basically, yeah, I'm the roving Latin America editor, um, so I am based in Mexico, um, but I do travel basically throughout Latin America. So, uh, for example, earlier this summer, I was in Bolivia um, in July and August uh, for a few weeks. Um, last year, I was in the Dominican Republic, um, and then over the last you know, few years, um, into Roatan, which is an island off of Honduras, um, you know, Belize, um, just uh, Colombia, <laughs> Peru, uh, Nicaragua. I used to live in Costa Rica, so I'm very familiar with that country as well. Uh, so my beat kind of takes me, you know, all over the region, and I kind of just keep an eye on things uh, as far as retirement trends. You know, what the, the expat uh, lifestyle is like in all these different places. 
Very interesting. And I also want to mention, too, that this we we kind of promoted this as like retire in another country kind of an idea, which is fine. But this is something younger people are doing also. And I found a lot of great information at International Living where you guys have information if you get on the email list about different ways people can make money uh, sort of being digital nomads where they travel and live in different locations, but make their living by way of the internet. And that sounds like maybe what you're doing as a writer for international living, you're able to enjoy all these different countries and um, you don't necessarily have to be living off of retirement income. Uh, that's correct. Um, well, I'm, I'm 40 years old, so I'm not uh, in retirement at all. Um, uh, married. I have uh, two boys, 12 and seven. Um, they've kind of uh, us as a family, we've traveled, and lived in a bunch of different places uh, in Latin America. And we know a ton of people kind of doing the same thing, whether it's uh, single folks, uh, married couples of, of all ages, uh, as well as families. Um, so the, the key thing there is, you know, you're not retired. Um, you don't have maybe a huge nest egg or savings that you can live off of you know, permanently. Um, so what you have to do, you have to make some money. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, I work online, you know, for International Living Magazine. Um, so my office is basically my laptop. So uh, right now I'm in my home office at the home I rent in Mexico. Um, but when I'm traveling or I'm on the road, I, I just have my laptop. High-speed internet's basically everywhere. Um, even in the most remote places, you, you might be surprised. Uh, so if I can get online, if I can check my email, if I can get on Facebook, uh, message you know my colleagues and coworkers and bosses um, at International Living, it's, it's fine. And I know a lot of people do the same thing. Um, whether it's uh, freelance writing, you know, like I do, uh, as well as graphic design, um, software development, website design. Um, some people who have, I've met who are, they were professionals in their careers, like engineers or lawyers or accountants. And right now they work online with clients, you know, primarily in the U.S., consulting online. They get on Skype, do a video conference call if they have to, um, maybe travel back to the U.S. occasionally if they have to make a, a face-to-face meeting. Um, and believe it or not, I've met some folks who were telecommuting. Um, I know it's a trend in the U.S. now where, um, you know, a lot of companies say, hey, work from home two days a week, and then we'll give your office space to, to somebody else, and we'll save on our electric costs at the office and all that sort of thing. Um, so I always tell people, and I, I've seen this in action, if, if you sit in a cubicle or an office, and primarily you're uh, speaking with people on the phone or instant messenger or emailing people. Why can't you do it in Costa Rica or Thailand or something like that? Um, so, and I've met a lot of people who do that, you know, um, so there's just a lot of options for if you want to move overseas, if you want to have that adventure, uh, maybe even if it's just taking a sabbatical from, you know, your normal life, I guess, um, there's ways to make money and to kind of support yourself and your family, you know, while you're traveling or living abroad. And uh, again, for those just tuning in, the website is internationalliving.com, internationalliving.com. And uh, our guest is Jason Holland. He is uh, primarily covering the Latin American uh, area. So when I mention this to people, for example, last year I went to Ecuador for 10 days solely because, um, you know, Dan Pressure has been on with us in the past. 
and we, um, you know, had him on and he's always talking about Ecuador. And so I decided to go for 10 days and I filmed a bunch of YouTube videos. I met a bunch of Americans that are living over there because I wanted to see it for myself because what people say to me when I mention this, because I'm sort of a, you know, I'm a financial guy. So I talk about a lot of different things. And when I talk about retirement, I always mention this as sort of an idea. People kind of roll their eyes and, and say, oh yeah, you could live in a third world dump of a country for, you know, very little money, but it's not safe. You want to have access to good health care, all of these kinds of things. And that's just not true, is it? That's, that's a, a great myth that so many people uh, seem to believe. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it is kind of a shame. Um, you know, I wish uh, people would maybe travel more or, you know, see more of the world and maybe they wouldn't have, you know, some of those misconceptions. Um, you know, a lot of these countries that we talk about, yes, they are kind of still developing. Um, they're not at, you know, first world U.S. standards, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, but um, they are very modern countries. You know, we have uh, services like high-speed Internet, you know, 4G and LTE cell phone service, um, you know, healthcare systems that are better or, <laughs> or the same as the U.S., you know, at a much lower cost. Um, you know, you have sophisticated cities where, you know, they have symphony orchestras, they have, um, you know, everything, every convenience you might, you know, think of. Um, so even though a lot of these countries are, are developing and, you know, they have, they do have a good amount of poverty, especially kind of in the rural areas, um, it's a very comfortable lifestyle. You don't really have to sacrifice a whole lot. Um, you know, it can be a culture shock. It's a different, you know, different culture, different traditions, different language. Uh, so there's that kind of adjustment that, that a lot of people have to go through. Um, you know, but for the most part, you can have a great lifestyle uh, when you live in a lot of these different countries. And how many years, Jason, have you been doing this where you're living, uh, you know, over, I, I say overseas, but it's actually not if it's in Central America. But, uh, uh, how many how many years have you been uh, living internationally? Uh, I mean, were you here in the U.S. for for like your your upbringing, and then you went off to live internationally? Well, it's a bit of a long story, but uh, my dad was in the U.S. Air Force um, for 22 years, um, and I was born in Madrid, Spain. Uh, my mom is from Spain, uh, a different part up, up north near the Pyrenees Mountains and the border with France. Um, so when I was growing up, uh, my dad was stationed in Mississippi, Germany, Utah. Uh, he retired uh, to Florida, and he started working for the U.S. Navy and later the Marine Corps. And uh, that took us to southern Spain, uh, where I grew up uh, from when I was nine to when I was 18. And I went to school at the University of Florida in uh, Gainesville, Florida. Um, lived in Orlando for a while. Um, That's where my two married. daughters graduate. My two daughters graduated from UF in Gainesville. All right, perfect. Go Gators! There we go. Yeah, <laughs> actually, uh, saw a fellow Gator the other day. I was out. Uh, me and my wife were going out to dinner. Uh, saw a guy with a Gators sweatshirt, and uh, had to give him the Go Gators. You know, he's kind of surprised. You know, to be in. I, I was in Ecuador, and I <laughs> I was that. in Ecuador, and and I I saw somebody go by with a Chicago White Sox hat. You know, I'm from Chicago, so it was like, wow, you know, Chicago White Sox, <laughs> and yep, we're here we're here in yep. Ecuador. It is it is a small world. I know and I know we say that. So you so you've had this rich um, upbringing of living in a lot of places. So that's kind of neat. So you're you're not averse to trying some of these other cultures. And um, what I love about the internationalliving.com website is all of the different 
directions people can go in. And you guys usually list like the top uh, five or top 10 places. But it, what's interesting to me is it's such a diverse list because you can live inexpensively you know, in places that you might expect like, like Mexico or, or, you know, Central America or, or South America, those are places people think of, but they don't really think of Europe. And there are some, you know, places in Europe in in Spain and Italy, there are different places you can live there for cheap. And what you're doing is, I believe the term is geographic arbitrage, which is if you can make American money, online and be living in one of these economies where things are so much less expensive, you're sort of getting the best of both worlds. Isn't that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, the key part there is that, yeah, you want to be, uh, have your income in dollars. Um, and then, you know, you convert it to local currency and, and the cost of living is usually lower. Um, in some cases, the exchange rate, you know, gives you a nice bump as well. Um, so if you do manage to make an income in dollars, and, and that could even be uh, Social Security, pension, retirement accounts, you know, that sort of income as well. Um, when you do live in a location where your cost of living is perhaps a quarter or half, of, you know, uh, less than what it would be in the U.S., uh, you can do pretty well. And uh, like I said, live a great lifestyle in, in, in a lot of these different locations. And, you know, Europe is definitely on the list. Um, you know, stay out of Paris, stay out of Rome, you know, those major metro areas. Um, but if you live in beautiful parts of, of Europe, uh, you can live really well on, on a lot less money. I've even seen some articles recently. I don't know if this is legit or not, but I've seen some articles where I think it was in Italy. There was some small town that was paying people to move there. Like if you actually like agreed to move there and uh, start a business or, you know, establish real estate holding or something that they were actually paying people to move to some of these because they're, they're suffering from, in a lot of these areas, a loss of population because people aren't having as many children. So they're actually incentivizing people financially to move to some of these areas. Are, are you familiar with any of that? Yeah, definitely. I've seen, seen the same thing, you know, online. Um, I'm, I'm part of a lot of different Facebook groups and email lists for, for these sorts of things. Uh, so you yeah, have seen this stuff in Italy uh, a couple times, and uh, I think Spain as well. And like you said, it's, uh, you know, small towns or small cities or, or regions where a lot of the young people are, you know, heading off to the big city for work or to study, and they, they don't come back, you know, because maybe it's um, too rural or too small town for them. Uh, they want the excitement of the big city. So the municipal governments are saying, well, what, you know, what's our solution here? How do we keep this place alive? Um, so, yeah, they will pay you uh, to move to Italy <laughs> and take up residence in a village. And you do have to stay there uh, for a certain period of time. Uh, you do have to, you know, go through certain steps to, to prove that you're you know, going to settle there and you're not going to, you know, try to capitalize on some real estate investment or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I've seen this place, uh, this, this sort of thing happen in a few few countries in Europe. And and one of the things that I think surprises people or they're the most skeptical of is the whole issue of, of access to health care. And it's something we talk a lot about on this show, 
uh, my daughter who had one of those high deductible Obamacare plans were like the first six or seven thousand dollars you have to pay and then the insurance kicks in after that. So it's a Sunday night and she goes to the hospital. She started with urgent care. They said, look, maybe you should go to the hospital because she had a pain in her side and they thought it could be appendicitis. Go go to the hospital and have it checked out. So she goes into the hospital and she asks them, you know, look, uh, is this going to cost a lot of money? What is this going to cost? And they said, well, we can't tell you the price of anything until after you have your treatment. She goes in there for 45 minutes, nothing is wrong, never sees a doctor. The highest she got was a short interaction with a physician's assistant. And then a week later got a bill for $21,000, $21,000. And so my wife went down to the hospital with her nonprofit hospital, but you imagine that <laughs> nonprofit out in the world. And uh, they ended up working some, you know, deal out for, for less than that. But when I was in Ecuador, they were telling me a lot of the Americans, they, they were, they were telling me that was one of the top reasons they moved there because you could see a doctor for like 50 bucks and that included the appointment plus a follow-up appointment and they were talking about like different medical procedures that you could get done for like fifteen hundred two thousand dollars that in america would be fifteen thousand dollars and and i you know my first thought was ah, it must not be very good if it's that you know much less but that's not necessarily how you should look at it it's just that the way that our medicine in america here is set up it's set up as such a big racket for making money. Some of these countries in the ratings actually have better health care than we have here. I know Americans think we're we're top at everything, but I know like Spain is like 20 and we're 27 on that list of quality. A lot of these countries, do they have this good, lesser expensive health care? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, every country is kind of set up a little different. Um, but in general, uh, a lot of these countries will have kind of a government run public health care program. And it's, you know, designed to help, you know, uh, the local population, you know, you know, get access to health care, you know, people of all incomes and, and that backgrounds and that sort of thing. And as somebody who moves there and becomes a resident of one of these countries, in general, you get to join that government run health care program as well. Um, so the costs, you know, arrange, but, um, you know, to give you a quick example, Costa Rica, for example, has uh, an excellent government healthcare program. Um, for a, a retired couple, typical retired couple, um, you're looking at about $100 per month uh, to join the program. And after that, you get all your prescriptions, doctor's appointments, uh, any therapies or procedures or diagnostic testing. You need. Wow. Uh, you get access <laughs> $100 to yeah. a month. That's and yeah. and some of these countries will even take you with a pre-existing condition. I know that's the case Correct. in Ecuador, and some people will go to Ecuador because they have some pre-existing condition and they can't get insurance here in the U.S. That's reasonable. Yeah, I'll just give you a, another quick Costa Rica example. Um, when I lived in Costa Rica, um, met a couple from California. Uh, she was an attorney. And uh, her husband uh, had been an entrepreneur, you know, businessman. So they're, you know, pretty well-to-do. You know, they weren't hurting for money. Um, but he developed multiple sclerosis. Um, and so with the insurance and medical care costs, they were paying, you know, up to $2,000 just outside of their insurance costs, you know, for different treatments and, and medications and that sort of thing. Um, so it's not sustainable. So they moved to Costa Rica. 
joined the government healthcare program and all his care was taken care of. Um, and in fact, uh, basically he was homebound, you know, uh, when I met them and the government healthcare service would send a physician out once a month and they would also send therapists out, you know, regularly uh, to, to do treatments and that sort of thing. And with the savings, you know, not having to pay exorbitant insurance costs and medical care costs in the U.S., they were hire, able to hire a 24-hour live-in nurse uh, to be in their home, you know, basically. Um, hmm. And so it was, it was very affordable for them. And that's, you know, one of the primary reasons they ended up moving, you know, to Costa Rica because uh, they wanted to take advantage of that, you know, health care. Um, you know, there are also, you know, private health care options as well. Uh, sometimes with the government programs, um, there can be waiting times, you know, if you have a non-emergency situation, um, it could be harder to get in to see a specialist, you know, sometimes as well. Uh, so what a lot of people do is they kind of mix and match. Um, they join the government healthcare program, uh, but they also see private physicians and go to private hospitals as well. Um, and the option there is to pay cash, you know, like you mentioned, uh, $50 to see a doctor, even a specialist. Um, and you don't have to wait a couple months <laughs> to see, make an appointment and right. get in there, um, which is a, a huge frustrating thing I know in the U.S. Um, I've seen specialists just, you know, picking up the phone, calling the office, and they said, oh, can you come tomorrow this afternoon or tomorrow morning? And it's, it's always a shock, you know, because I know in the U.S., it, to see a specialist especially can, and, uh, can take forever. Um, so then, yeah, the appointment's cheap. Um, and then even stuff like ultrasounds or CAT scans, uh, you know, those sorts of things are tremendously cheap as well if you pay cash. And you can also get private insurance as well. Um, you can get insurance in, you know, Spain or insurance in Costa Rica or in Mexico, uh, private healthcare insurance. And it's generally much more affordable than it would be in the U.S. for, for similar coverage. Now I'm I'm assuming that I know you you have like different conferences and seminars and that sort of thing, but one of the things people will think about like what's going on in Ecuador right now. When I was in Ecuador, it was beautiful. I had one bad experience, um, which I did a, a YouTube video about. I had my my uh, laptop computer stolen, um, and also a cell phone stolen when I was on a bus ride. And uh, it, it's a long story and I won't get into it, but otherwise it was a really nice trip we had and I love the climate there. It was nice and cool. Apparently it's so, so uh, the, the climate is so mild that people don't even have heat or air. They don't need it because at night it gets right. cool and the day it gets, you know, about 75 or whatever. I, I just loved, it was like in the Andes mountains. I loved it there, but now there's this like crazy political thing going on where maybe the current leadership is going to be thrown out of office by the indigenous people and maybe a new regime will come in and there's been some political corruption and things like this. Um, how stable are these countries where it's cheaper to live? I, I guess that would be one of the risks that you would have to factor into any decision like that that you make. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there's a situation in Ecuador, uh, right now in uh, Chile. There's also a similar situation. Um, you know, earlier last year, Nicaragua had a similar, you know, situation. And a lot of these movements, you know, right now are kind of based on the government coming out and saying, okay, we're going to increase prices for, you know, certain things. Um, and the people who are low income, um, or even, you know, anybody basically, is, uh, you know, reacting to that. So, you know, there's a lot of protests and, um, 
you know, people kept marching in the streets, you know, kind of calling on the government saying like, Hey, we can't afford to you know, pay these increased prices for, for all these, you know, commodities, things that we use every day. Um, so there's, you know, can be some instability in some of these countries. Um, you know, the situation in Ecuador is pretty much calmed down. You know, we're st- still seeing how it plays out politically. Um, but as far as like, you know, the people in the streets and, and the country being shut down, that's not the case anymore. Um, but the, you know, the thing is, as an expat, as, as a foreigner living in these countries, uh, you generally you, you don't get involved in like the political situation. Um, and a lot of this stuff kind of uh, it impacts you in a certain way or for a certain period, but it generally doesn't impact you too much. Um, so you don't have to worry about it too much. I know I, I was in Las Vegas for an international living conference a couple of weeks ago. Um, spoke to my colleague, Jim Santos, who lives in Ecuador. And for him, it, he lives in a coastal area. And he hadn't really felt, you know, much impact from, from anything that was going on. So it kind of depends on where you live. Um, usually these things pass, you know, um, and as a foreigner, you're just generally not involved and you're kind of left alone. Nobody is uh, targeting you <laughs> during this kind of unrest in these, these different situations. And one of the things I found helpful, I'm actually still a part of this, um, like a Cuenca Ecuador Facebook group. And um I actually joined it and then I posted my video about being robbed on the bus and then a bunch of people chimed in and told me what the mistake I made. And But now I'm in this group and I get to see updates in your press materials here. It talks about the importance of using social media to learn more like Facebook, the different groups that you can join. Um, this is a great thing as a resource for Americans who are looking at moving to be able to get into some of these groups and interact with people that are already moving, that are already there, and to just get some on-the-ground you know, information from people. Uh, do you recommend joining these different Facebook groups to get information? Yeah, for sure. And you know, I know, uh, you know some people aren't really too hot on Facebook. Um, but in really, it's it's kind of a must-have if you're looking at moving abroad to some of these communities or, or if you're going to be living there. Um, because every kind of expat community, retiree community, basically around the world, uh, they'll have a Facebook group dedicated, whether it's to the region, to a certain city, um, to the country. Um, usually they have, there's multiple. Um, in some of the more popular locations, they'll have different Facebook groups uh, some will be like a buy and sell page, kind of like a Craigslist where people are, you know, Hey, I'm looking for, you know, furniture for my new house. I'm looking for a stove. Somebody chimes in and says like, Oh yeah, I got a refrigerator. You know, I'll, I'll sell it to you. I'm, this is where I live. Um, I'm selling a car. I need to rent an apartment, you know, all that you can ask questions. Um, you know, especially as somebody who's kind of curious about a place kind of doing the research and you can say like, Hey, what's the crime level like in this neighborhood in Cuenca? You know, I, I had a friend who had his backpack still on the bus, and I'm kind of worried, is that a bad neighborhood? And, and people chime in and kind of share information. Um, and once you, once you get there as well, um, it's a great way to network. Um, and I, I suppose even before you get there, to kind of meet people, because um, people chime in like every kind of social media uh, platform. Uh, they'll express their opinion. They'll kind of share links and news. Uh, and so you'll kind of find like-minded people uh, that you can connect with and just kind of say, like, hey, I'm going to be – you know, visiting, you know, in a couple of weeks and, and thinking about moving there, it'd be great to meet up for coffee and kind of let me pick your brain a little bit. I'll hey, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Let me buy you breakfast and uh, we can kind of connect in person. Uh, so, you know, Facebook definitely is a great way to kind of get to know these countries, uh, get an on the boots on the ground kind of feel for it. A uh, great way to research. 
and also an invaluable tool is like you're planning a trip uh, to get information about a community, uh, kind of have people you can meet up with face to face, you know, once you get there. So tremendously. Very good. And for those just tuning in, we're talking with Jason Holland and he is the editor for Latin America and that's for international living. And you can get to the international living website, international living.com internationalliving.com. There's a lot there, including if you put your email in, you can get on the email list, which I find to be really interesting. Um, even if you don't subscribe right away to their publication, you can get on the email list and get a lot of free information that way. And also there's a lot of articles you can just access without necessarily joining right away to uh, their organization. And they also have conferences all around the country. Uh, for those that want to find out more, they also have a bookstore and they also have a little tab here about earning money while you're overseas as well, the different options for earning money. If you may be retired, but you don't have enough in retirement income, you'll need to make a little bit more, or maybe you're not retired and you're like Jason and you're younger and you want to uh, do this. How many people are living now, um, I, I'm not asking for a specific number, but how, how common is it that, that younger people are doing the digital nomad thing? I'm seeing a lot of YouTube channels now where people are, you know, they'll live for a few weeks in one country and then they go to another country and they do all their income is made online. And part of their moving around is part of their content creation. They use it as a basis for YouTube videos, for articles, for eBooks they write, all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I'm kind of in this group that, you know, I kind of do it myself, although I'm not as nomadic as uh, some of the people I know. Uh, but I tend to meet a lot of these people. So I think it's it's becoming more and more common, even in the eight years that I've lived overseas, uh, first in Costa Rica and then now in Mexico and kind of traveling throughout Latin America. I, you know, I run into these people all the time and uh, they're kind of easy to spot. Uh, you'll be in kind of a hip coffee shop uh, in some city. And you'll see a bunch of people with laptops or they're standing in the city square talking into their phone or their camera <laughs> yeah, exactly. by themselves. And so, you know, and I, and I just kind of usually introduce myself um, because I might want to write an article about them or invite them, you know, to provide some content for international living as well. Um, and I meet all sorts of people, you know, um, people of all ages and they're doing all sorts of things. You know, some people are kind of graphic designers or they build websites, you know, for businesses in the U S um, and all they need is kind of their laptop and uh, high speed internet, which is pretty much available anywhere around the world now. Um, so they can travel anywhere. And some people do uh, very, be they're very, very nomadic. Uh, they might uh, stay in a place for two weeks and then hear about a cool city and, you know, take a bus. Uh, to the next town over, or they might meet somebody who says like, Hey, so I'm going to uh, this great Caribbean Island. You know, why don't you come with me? You know, I'm meeting a bunch of people there. We have a community there. Um, and people work in coffee shops. They work in their hostel or hotel. Uh, there's also a lot of cool places called co-working spaces. And we're seeing these pop up more and more um, pretty much all over the world, including the U S uh, but it's basically kind of shared office space. Uh, so somebody owns the property, leases this property, um, and it's basically an open office concept, a bunch of desks, and they have good high-speed internet, usually uh, some good coffee and some treats, you know, on site. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, people kind of set up, they work away, and um, it's a good way to network, maybe form business ventures with people you meet. Maybe you run an online business or you need, um, you know, somebody to write content for your website. You know, the person next to you might be, you know, that person that you can connect with. 
And often these co-working spaces also have kind of a, a meeting space and also a quiet space too. So if you do need to get on some sort of conference call with a, an important client, um, you can get into a quiet space and, and kind of uh, have that privacy. Um, so lots of options for kind of uh, working online and kind of living anywhere you want. I, I found I, I one of the questions I asked a lot of people I met in Cuenca was how much money does it really take to live there? Because, uh, you know, I wanted to find out if this headline of $1,500 a month, if this was really realistic, you know, really, truly realistic. And it was, in fact, a lot of people told me a thousand a month. I mean, one guy we visited, we, we gave us a tour of his home. He was living in a three-story beautiful home. He was renting for 400 a month and he had virtually no utility bills because there's no heat, no, you know, air conditioning, a small amount of water charges, but otherwise that was about it was his overhead. Um, what does it range like worldwide in the countries that you all consider to be on your list of, of the good options? Like what amount monthly would you say is a fair number to go with? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the thing with cost of living is it always depends on the lifestyle, you know, because, um, you know, some people are really like to, to go out to nice dinners. They like to, uh, splurge when they go to the grocery store and, and all that sort of thing. So we always say it kind of depends on your lifestyle. Um, but I would say uh, for uh, a couple, retired couple who want to live a good life, you know, they want to go out to eat a few times a week. Um, they're going to have good health care. Uh, they're going to live in a nice, you know, condo, apartment, or home. Um, you know, in all the countries that we cover, you can pretty much get away with that for under $2,500 per month. Um, and some places are, are much cheaper. You know, for example, a lot of the Latin American locations, uh, places like Nicaragua, um, you know, Panama, Bolivia, it's under 2000. Um, I was in Bolivia in July and, uh, just give you a quick example. Uh, met a lady from Canada. Uh, she was single and living a great life with lots of friends, lots of, you know, going out to see concerts and music, uh, going out to dinner with friends, having parties at her house. Um, you know, had a great social life, uh, was eating well, you know, had great healthcare, uh, lived in a nice home. And she was spending $500 per month for all her costs, you know, including rent. And this was, and did you say B Bolivia? Bolivia, yeah, believe it or not. Wow. Which, you know, doesn't, it's not on the radar for a lot of people. Um, but I, I, that was my first visit there. And I thought this must be a fluke. You know, this in a way, you know, this is true. And then I met a second lady who was doing the exact same thing, 500 to $600 per month uh, for wow. all her expenses. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's a range, you know, it kind of depends on, on how you live, where you live. Um, you know, you can save a lot of money by uh, kind of living like a local is what we say a lot of times. So you go to the local farmer's market, uh, you get your fresh produce um, and eggs and bread, uh, you know, milk and everything, usually direct from the farm. You know, so it's, you know, real whole foods basically. Uh, and you kind of avoid uh, going to the, um, kind of a fancy grocery store that's going to have maybe really good cheddar from the U.S. or something, but you're going to pay for it. Um, you know, you're going to get a lot of that food that comes in boxes. Uh, that or if you eat it like you... the hotel, the hotels that have restaurants that are really for tourists, because a lot of these exactly. towns do have like that tourist zone. And I found that to be the case. Like I could eat for $5 in Cuenca, a nice dinner, lunch or dinner for $5. But then there was some parts 
of town where it was, you could tell it was catering more to, you know, tourists and it would be like maybe 10 or $15 to eat. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just, you know, when you're grocery shopping, you know, go to where the, where your neighbors are going, your local neighbors, you know, what markets are they going to? A lot of these places are still very traditional in the way that they'll have a butcher shop in the neighborhood or a bakery uh, where you get your bread every morning. Um, or in the case of Mexico, tortillas. <laughs> um, so, yeah. you know, you kind of shop where the locals go and you eat where the locals go. Um, you know, if you, yeah, if you go to the tourist restaurants, if you go to the big uh, chain kind of restaurants um, that have kind of arrived in some of these different locations, you'll pay uh, U.S. prices or maybe a little bit less. Uh, but if you go to the local restaurant right next door that has probably a lot better food, by the way, <laughs> um, you'll pay half or less of what you would at some of these other places. So um, you want to eat where the locals eat as well. All right. We've got about five minutes left. I want to get to two last things. Um, go ahead and mention some of the countries. I've got a list here. These are countries that you say might not be on your radar. Peru, Dominican Republic, uh is this pronounced Roatan? Roatan. Bolivia, yes, Bolivia, Colombia, Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia. Um, yeah, you, you you don't think of any of those countries, but I saw some video recently. A guy I follow on on YouTube. His name is Gabriel Traveler. He like every week he's in a different country. We, my wife and I, like to watch his videos. He was in Vietnam. And I always think of Vietnam as like the jungles of the Vietnam War. But I was looking at these videos of him. These are like major skyscrapers and big cities, just like you would expect to see here in the U.S. These countries have really come a long way. Yeah, exactly. Um, Vietnam and Malaysia, you know, Thailand as well. And uh, when you look at Southeast Asia, um, you know, people still kind of have an image of, of the past, you know, decades ago, you know, the Vietnam War and things like that. Um, but these countries are very sophisticated. Um, their economies are growing like crazy. Um, so the local people are becoming more and more affluent. Um, so, yeah, you will see the skyscrapers, the fancy condos, uh, the nice restaurants and cafes. Um, so you have these big major metro areas uh, in Thailand, Vietnam, and Malaysia. But um, you also have these great beaches as well. So like a tropical kind of island feel as well. Um, so there's, there's a lot of diversity uh, in Southeast Asia. And some of these other countries, Peru, um, a lot of people think of Peru, Machu Picchu, which is uh, an ancient Inca citadel uh, discovered kind of at the turn of the century uh, or rediscovered. Um, but it's also a very sophisticated country. Um, you know, Lima, Peru is, is an amazing international city. Um, you know, Cusco and Arequipa are some other cities I mentioned. Uh, they have a colonial centro, um, so Spanish colonial, hundreds of years old architecture. It's all pristine, well-kept. And then on the outskirts of that, you have a very modern, you know, vibrant city um, with all the services that you can think of. Um, Dominican Republic, a lot of people, uh, especially coming from Florida, you can get super cheap flights and go to an all-inclusive in Dominican Republic. So I always meet a lot of people who've been there, uh, but they haven't really been there because they've kind of stayed on the resorts. Um, but when you get out into the actual, you know, towns and villages, uh, you're going to find a great kind of laid-back beach lifestyle, that Caribbean tropical lifestyle. Uh, but, you know, spending a lot less money. Um, so a lot of these countries, you know, maybe they're not in the news. Maybe um, there, there were events in the past that kind of kept people away. Um, you know, like Colombia, for example. You know, everybody thinks of uh, Medellin, Colombia, and Pablo Escobar <laughs> and all the cartels right. and that sort of thing. Uh, but if you go to Medellin, Colombia today, it's a, 
super exciting, vibrant city with, you know, art galleries, great restaurants, uh, very walkable, very safe. Uh, it's a huge, uh, as we're talking about digital nomads, a huge digital nomad and kind of business center as well. And I think Columbia so, just got Amazon. It didn't, isn't it that they just got Amazon there? So like you can order things on Amazon. Uh, yeah, I'm not hundred uh, percent on that, but I believe so. I know here in Mexico, uh, we do have Amazon and a lot of these different countries have Amazon as well. Um, yeah, as, so, as long yeah, as you can go on Amazon, on Amazon, right? It, does, <laughs> it doesn't matter where yeah. you're at. As long as you could get through Amazon, you could get anything that you need. Now, the, the last thing I want to hit you with, which I think is fascinating, and we've never talked about this before, even with Dan Pressure that's been with us many times, is the idea of the snowbird idea, which is a big thing here in Florida. You know, we've, we, we're having less of that, though. We're having more people just actually moving here instead of doing the half year, half year thing because they're getting away from the Bostons and the New Yorks and the Chicago's and the Pittsburgh's and just moving here and living here and then maybe going back to visit family. But um, this idea of like living in one of these countries for a few months a year and then living the rest of the year back here in the U S that that's interesting to me because then you kind of have the best of both worlds and then you could have those medical procedures where you might have to spend a lot more for that here in the U.S. You could do that when you're over there if they're sort of, you know, elected, uh, you know, elective, not emergency situations. Um, how many people are, are doing that? Is that is that prevalent, the idea of just like a part timer living in some of these areas? Yeah, I would say, you know, this is becoming more popular. Um, and, and when I go to international events and I, I meet with our readers, who are interested in the overseas lifestyle, uh, a lot of them don't want to make a permanent move. They don't want to cut, you know, kind of their ties, I guess, um, and just move wholesale, you know, move all their stuff and, and just move abroad permanently. Um, they don't want to leave kind of like their old life behind, um, I guess. So they have maybe friends, they have their family, grandkids, kids, um, you know, maybe their mom and dad as well. Um, maybe they're engaged in volunteer work or they're involved in their church or their community in some way. You know, maybe they volunteer at a local school or, or animal shelter. So they don't want to leave that behind, uh, but they do want to have that adventure. Um, so maybe they're going to spend four to six months abroad um, and then the rest of the year at home. And a lot of times it is escaping winter weather. So I meet a lot of Canadians uh, on my travels. Um, and usually they're the ones right after Christmas. They show up in like the Mexican beach resorts and in Costa Rica and different places like that. They stay through April, um, and they head back when the weather's nice in Canada. And, yes, they do take advantage of that kind of lower cost of living. Um, so, you know, they're going to save on their food costs, utility costs. Um, a lot of people, they get dental work done <laughs> when they go on these trips. Dental work, um, yeah, that, the medical tourism for dental work, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the cool thing, and I'll just – a little, little tip here, and I, I know some people who are doing this quite successfully. Um, you know, you kind of leave your – home, you know, that you own or, or whatever, uh, back in your home, you know, uh, home city, uh, you go abroad for, you know, four to six months, uh, to make a little bit of money, um, kind of maybe finance your travels. You can rent out your home on a service like Airbnb or through a property manager or to a long-term tenant. Uh, so it's kind of dependent on if you have a good location. Uh, but that can be a way so that, you know, you don't have to pay those carrying costs for your home, you know, while you're abroad, you can kind of, uh, finance yourself or maybe even make a little bit of money. Very interesting. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Jason Holland has been with us uh, during this segment, and uh, you can find out more by going to their website, internationalliving.com. 
And Jason, do you have a way for people to get in touch with you? Are you like on Twitter or if they drill down inside international living, if they wanted to reach out and, and contact you directly? Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to give you my, my personal email address. It's um, J H O L L A N D at internationalliving.com. And if you go to internationalliving.com, uh, yeah, if you kind of explore the website a little bit, you'll find contact information for myself and as well as all my colleagues who are based in all these countries in Latin America, Europe, and Asia. Um, and we all check our email regularly. We all answer all the questions that people send in. So uh, we're happy to have any of the listeners kind of contact me personally or any of my colleagues as well. And we're happy to chat with people, pass on information, share relevant you know, articles and that sort of thing. You know, also just jump on Facebook. International Living has a big Facebook presence uh, as well. Uh, so that's a good way to get in touch too. Internationalliving.com is the website. And Jason Holland, thank you so much for being with us, sir. We hope you'll come back again soon. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you, sir. Wow. That was so interesting. I, I don't know. Um, it's funny because some of our listeners uh, are really interested in this, like I am. And some of them think I am absolutely nuts. I am absolutely, I've gone completely crazy. <laughs> the idea of moving overseas or moving to a foreign country and having medical work done over there, uh, dental work, medical uh, services, surgeries, because it's less money. I know people think I'm nuts, but there's a lot of people doing this. I think it's interesting. I think it's something worth looking into. And uh, as we say here, you never know what you're going to get on a Sunday night with Jim Paris Live. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.